Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vita Podcast, where we help educate military veterans and their spouses on opportunities in Web3. Our plan is to host a series of industry leaders, many of whom are veterans or spouses themselves, so that we can learn about their journey down the crypto rabbit hole while understanding opportunities for transitioning veterans in the industry. I'm Chris Perkins, president of CoinFund. I'm a combat marine veteran who spent 15 years on Wall Street before transitioning into the crypto space. And before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsor, Luca, who's dedicated their time and and resources to make this podcast possible. For our 27th episode, we'll be speaking with U.S. Air Force veterans, Robert Viglione, co-founder and CEO, and Rosario Pabst, Chief Operating Officer at Horizon Labs. Welcome. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. Awesome. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, let's hear about your backgrounds. Rob, do you want to kick it off? Uh, yeah, my, my background, I, um, I was a U.S. Air Force officer and uh, I, I went into the Air Force through ROTC. I was a physics math major. And then actually I was originally an Army ROTC, but then the Air Force uh, basically poached me saying, you know, like my dream of being a tank commander you know, could change to being an actual physicist in the Air Force. Um, so, so they got me. I joined that, joined Air Force Space Command, had a Pretty fantastic career, uh, at least early start to my career, and uh, you know, then got into more operational intelligence. Uh, had had uh, some interesting jobs at, uh, over you know overseas, and then uh, found Bitcoin. Uh, found my my love of Bitcoin after my you know other uh, loves in my personal life, and uh, went back to academia, got my PhD, convinced my department to actually let me um, do my dissertation in cryptocurrency, which is a little weird back then. I mean, this is a traditional asset pricing finance PhD, and they let me choose Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as my asset, uh, and then, uh, launched, uh, what's today horizon and then horizon labs. Awesome. Were you still in the service when you, when you got that degree? Uh, no, I was not. Got it. Awesome. So you, so you went to the air force to study physics and the Marine Corps, we just eat crayons. Um, so a little bit of a different experience. Uh, than, than what I had. That's okay. They taste good. Um, yeah. Rosario, we'd love to hear about your background. Yes, yes. So I'm also an RTC uh, grad. Uh, my my journey into the military started with my my father, who's a JAG in the Air Force, and we lived this expat lifestyle. So when I was uh, I spent my formative years in Nicaragua, and and uh, so I was at U.S. persons in Nicaragua. Always growing up, feeling uh, very patriotic about uh, being American, being U.S. Uh, then I I moved to the to the Midwest, and I had this encounter of this dual: like, am I Nicaraguan? Am I American? Okay, I'm I'm both. Uh, and through that uh, journey, being so far away from from home and and my parents, I would see the cadets going around on campus. I'm like, you know. I'm going to check that out and see how that's, uh, what that's all about. And I, I joined and it wasn't until, uh, 2001 when, um, the attacks happened that I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to come in full time and, and just do this. After I graduated and commissioned, I, uh, went, uh, to California and started my air force career in, uh, the, uh, air force test center. And uh, after I migrated to the to U.S. Uh, Space Command at that time. So, so you were actually a member of Space Command when it was formed? No, uh, not Space Command, but I was in the uh, Space uh, and Missile Systems Center. Yeah. Got it. But you, but with that, did that transition into Space Force? Space Force, correct. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was a joke when we were in is uh, 
you would always talk about Space Force and it actually happened. So can you tell us a little bit about your experiences? Um, you know, any types of things that, you know, built the foundation for what you're doing today, Rosario? Absolutely. So I, I often, uh, and I spent 10 years in the Air Force, uh, and um, it's often in the, uh, in the service we take for granted the leadership training that we get and the responsibilities that we get fairly, fairly early on in our uh, careers. So I would say that's been an asset for me personally where uh, I, I come in, I, I have a voice, I'm able to uh, take control of situations, be level-headed when there's a crisis and take things in perspective. So uh, it's, uh, I, I often tell people that the Air Force was a bit of an equalizer for me uh, because I, I came in uh, as a, a young Hispanic woman uh, into positions where you know, maybe normally if I would have taken a different route in, in my life and um, where, you know, not having uh, the opportunity to be a leader or to emerge as a leader, it would have been a little bit different, but I've always felt very empowered and I love my Air Force experience because it allowed me the sense of growth and opportunity. Thank you. And Rob, what about you? Any specific uh, anecdotes or or experiences uh, in your military career that, that shaped your perspective today? Uh, well, on the, I'll echo the leadership route uh, angle, is, I think a really big deal, and especially for being in crypto, that we're in the crypto industry today, with the volatility that we have, it's actually nice to be able to put things in perspective and realize that no one's trying to kill us. It's actually just ups and downs of a market. We can survive it. I will say uh, a direct translation. So I, I still remember the core values of the Air Force. It was integrity first, service before self and excellence in everything we do. And this actually translates today literally to the Verizon Labs, our, our company uh, core values, all right? It's really important to us. I will say uh, specifically, I was also in Air Force Space Command and I was managing software projects at the tail end as, as a, a young captain. And uh, that you know uh, translates directly to what we're doing here, building software. Totally get it. Um... I mean, my personal experience was, you know, when we were in Ramadi, there was no rule of law, right? So the only thing that you had was, was your own individual ethics. And, you know, sometimes it feels like when we're pushing the bounds of technology out on this new frontier, um, you know, you have, you're armed with your ethics. And, you know, we see what happens when people um, fall afoul of that. And, and um, so, yeah, I couldn't agree more with you both that it's, a, it's an incredible asset to come from that experience. Where sometimes it feels like you're still getting shot at, right? But, um, but in reality, you're not. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about your transition. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, Rosario, you did 10 years, I did nine. And like, you're kind of at that like tipping point, right? Where you're like, either I do the career or I get out, you know, you're like, you know what, there's, there's more to life out there. That's what's at least what I thought. How did you approach the transition and, and what were the challenges and how did you overcome them? Yeah. So uh, when it came time to transition and maybe some of your, your, female listeners can appreciate this was, uh, so Rob and I, uh, for those uh, listening, we're, we're married, we're a couple, and we started this uh, venture into digital assets uh, together. And uh, our careers were, at that time, uh, our careers were diverging. So I was uh, going to be pending on major, and I, I had a trajectory that uh, needed to take place for me to continue growing my career. And it was a decision at that point. Uh, Rob was in a 
Afghanistan at the time. Uh, we spent a few years apart and I said, okay, are we, are we uh, going to be doing this? And plenty of military couples do that where they actually do spend 10 years apart and they try to uh, eventually get, get back in the same geographic region or trying to assign cases. But then it's, it's a conflict of careers of like, okay, whose career is going to take precedence and, and uh, in that case. So I, I came in at a very, um, uh, I, lucky for Rob and, and for me is I, I felt very, my, my, I, I felt very strongly about my Air Force career. So it was a, for me, a very hard choice to, to take and even verbalizing. It's like, okay, I'm going to pick my spouse, my career instead of my own career. Oh, that, that was kind of a little bit of a hard pill to swallow or to accept uh, just because of all the societal pressures that we have. But I made it and I said, it is more important for me to start my life with uh, my fiance uh, at the time. And uh, I don't want to be 10 years apart. We've already been a few years apart. I, 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 I want to make this transition because I no longer want to have this, this uh, distance, uh, distance between us. Uh, so I, uh, shortly after getting married, I uh, transitioned out. And Rob at the time was uh, starting his uh, PhD at the University of South Carolina. I didn't have a plan uh, going, leaving the Air Force, but I said, okay, I'm, I'm an acquisition officer, uh, very, this very uh, transferable skill sets. I'm managing software projects. Uh, let's see what the world has for me uh, after I leave. Got it. And, and so like, how did you... So there you were, you made the transition. By the way, did you outrank Rob? Just to be clear. Let's, yes, I did. <laughs> All right. Wait, no, 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 I, I have to chime in here. She was a more senior captain. Yes, she, <laughs> she, she was selected, major right. select. <laughs> just want to get out of the way. <laughs> just want to get that way. So like, all right, so you make the choice uh, and, and, and there you are. Um, you are an acquisitions officer. What did you do next? So I, I spent, um, so uh, we were in Columbia, South Carolina. And at that time, remote work wasn't very popular. And, and actually, remote was discounted. So if you got a remote job, you, you were 20% uh, below market. Uh, so uh, I actually, I, I had a great transition story. So uh, we moved to South Carolina. And quickly, I, I was anxious about my future. You know, you, you, you all think when we're going through these major transitions, it's, it's a little bit existential because you've had the, this force looking after you, you have this, the mother air force, like, okay, somebody's going to dictate where I'm going to be. It's a bit scary from, from that sense. Uh, but what I did was I, I hit the pavement. So I joined uh, certain groups. Uh, we we found a, a a startup community in Columbia, South Carolina, and through tell them about the date story. That was that was a, a super romantic date night to a startup. Pitch yes, night. yeah, so. yeah. So Rob on Twitter found a found a, an event, and we went to that event, and uh, I met the president of a large bank and. Um, he introduced me to someone and I started my, I transitioned, uh, quickly into my follow-on career. Awesome. So it sounds like community is super important. Networking is super important. Um, thank you for sharing that. 
Rob, let's talk about your transition. Um, what happened? How did it go? Uh, what did you learn? Uh, mine was easy. Uh, it was probably a more traditional path of, uh, I, I went from active duty Air Force uh, into the inactive reserves. And then my career, I, I transitioned to basically being a contractor for the Air Force. So active duty Air Force to contractor for the Air Force. Worked on industrial-based work and uh, acquisition programs for um, you know, uh, launch vehicle programs, uh, the Delta and Atlas rocket programs. Then um, I, you know, after the, the uh, contractor work, then I went back to academia, but uh, the Bitcoin basically afforded me the opportunity to kind of cook the career and think what would I like to do with the next phase of my life? And I've always idealized academia Oddly enough, now I'm thinking, okay, what would I do, you know, if we IPO'd and I could do anything else, I might go back into the military. Uh, so, I mean, who, who knows where, where life takes us, but um, yeah. for, for me, it was kind of a, you know, you know, a fairly standard transition. But it's a great example because I know a lot of vets, they get out, they have a decision, right? Do you go right into the workforce or do you use GI Bill and go to school? Uh, I didn't, I'm sorry, I did what you did. Like I kicked the door in and I wanted to get after it. Um, and in some ways, I regret not going to school uh, because, you know, you have the time to really think about your next step. And you also come out of that with education that can never be taken away from you and a great network. So uh, I think that you could go either direction. Um, both are can be very, very successful. It's just really awesome that you're both, you both took different directions, um, but you landed together. OK, so let's talk about. I want to talk about Horizon Labs, but we, we, we got the story uh, for Rob and how he became a Bitcoin obsessed and started studying it academically. Rosario, how did you get into the crypto space? You know, I, and, uh, well, a little bit of long story. So I, I got this email in 2010, uh, I think it was, yeah, 2010 from Rob. And the email said, this is going to change the world. And it's 2011. I, I can't be, can't claim to be that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, but. it was very, uh, I thought it was December, 2010, but anyway, um, Still really, really early guys. Yeah. yeah so this is going to change the world. And, and, uh, I still have that email and the, the email, uh, he sent it to both my personal email account and then my work account. Uh, so I got it while I was at, at work and, um, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, why can't he just be normal? <laughs> why? Why? But uh, that was my introduction to to Bitcoin. The other story is like when when uh, we I first bought Bitcoin, uh, Rob planned a date. So it's another thing with the dates with Rob. So he uh, an activity date we call them, right? So we biked from Manhattan Beach, California, to Santa Monica. Uh, if you're familiar with the uh, that part of California. And uh, we took a lot of cash and we put it in our bag and we went and we met some random person and uh, we, we bought some Bitcoin at that time. It felt really, it felt illegal. I was like, is this illegal? Like, what are we doing? My first Bitcoin dealer, basically. And, uh, but then I was really upset because, um, this guy tagged along on our date that was supposed to be our date and, uh, spent the entire afternoon with this, this guy that, uh, eventually became a, a friend, a good friend of Rob's. That's great. Got it. So, so Rob, tell us about your journey. Uh, you're in academia and, and walk us through, you know, your, your crypto exploration into the founding of Horizons Lab. 
Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my, uh, uh, really getting into Bitcoin was like, as Rosario said, uh, kind of on the, the fringes of the, I don't know, uh, what, what part of, um, society that was that found Bitcoin uh, relatively early. And then I, I started getting active when I was in Afghanistan and actually setting up seminars and just teaching people. I remember I actually have actually one of the, yeah, this is actually, uh, if you can see this, this is a flyer that my buddy and I put up at Camp Leatherneck. I think Camp Leatherneck on this one, uh, basically to teach like a Bitcoin seminar. <laughs> so like we would do this. So we go around giving, uh, you know, GIs, um, you know, some Bitcoin, get, you know, setting up seminars and uh, teaching both, you know, both uh, you know, the troops and then also like interpreters and other locals on, on camp uh, about it. And um, then I basically I just got married. I was a um, relatively young guy back then, <laughs> not anymore, fortunately, but uh, I had a choice with my life. It was either like at the time I was working uh, in CJ Soto Alpha, so the Combined Joint Special Operations Task Force Afghanistan, and it was a really cool job. It was like dream job for me. Like I always wanted to be a special forces operator, but at least I got to work with them, even though like I wasn't actually one of them. And um, basically I had a choice was I could go to my next post, which was embedding with a, an Afghan commando unit, and, or I just got into a PhD program. So basically uh, I just got married. I realized, okay, it's probably better for my marriage to go to the PhD program. And this was that kind of intersection in, in our careers and lives that Rosario was describing. Uh, so while I was there, I, I started just doing some academic research on uh, Bitcoin and crypto, also investing in a variety of projects back in, uh, at that time that existed. And um, then started getting involved entrepreneurially in the space, kind of like basically with a PhD is life is hell. Uh, it's kind of like three years of hell uh, with coursework and then getting through your comprehensive exams. And once I passed comps, I felt like, well, I did it. Life's so much better. I have a little bit more time on my hands. So I started getting more involved uh, entrepreneurially in the space uh, with some startups, um, you know, one of them on the payment side, just a little too early. Um, and then also like you know, early advisor to what's today Ave. Back then it was called ETHBlend. And then um, I was really into the privacy side of the industry. And I really loved, I was blown away with what Zuko and Zcash, that team did uh, with zero knowledge proofs and applying them to uh, transactions on chain. So that just kind of got me thinking, okay, what are some other problems within crypto that could use this type of technology? I think privacy is a big deal. This is one amazing solution for it. So back then I launched what was called Zencash. It was another privacy coin in the market. Um, and it was just meant to be a hobby project, just experimenting. We wanted to experiment with some other economic dimensions layered into this like ZK stuff. Uh, then it took off, just dumb luck. In 2017, it was kind of when the market uh, started going, hey, what we are on our exponential. So we just got lucky, had a strong community and it just took off. So uh, I just went with it. And that ended up being uh, the next phase of my career. Now we, we could talk about the, the years that, that passed from there in terms of uh, really diving deep into the ZK stuff and well beyond just transaction privacy, thinking about the other like data compression, the interoperability elements to it. And that's where we are today with Horizon. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. So I think it would be great to, for you guys to walk through Horizons. Like, what are you, What's Horizons there to do um, and, and what problems are is it attempting to solve? So I, I, uh, I could say it's a weird moment for us because we're about to drop what's called a Zen improvement proposal, a Zen app uh, for the community on what we're calling New Horizon, uh, which is what we've been prototyping and building actually uh, secretly or in, in, uh, you know, quietly for the last few months. Um, New Horizon is markedly different than the, the horizon that's out there public in the market today. 
what I can just say, maybe the, the, the quick timeline in 30 seconds is we started as a privacy coin and then we realized that there's kind of a barrier to scalability in crypto. The L2s blew it away. They solved that problem on Ethereum. And then you had some others kind of like Polkadot and Cosmos doing it with Sovereign Chains. Um, so, but we, we embarked for some years on trying to solve a scalability problem with, with SNARKs, uh, zero knowledge proofs, a, a type of cryptographic construct to, to basically compress data and then connect, basically communicate between chains. Uh, I would say we didn't do it very successfully. I, I think that just from an entrepreneurial perspective, like we started for, first from like, this is cool technology. What can we do with it? to now the way we think is what are the big problems in Web3 that we can solve, right? So now I think we're thinking about it um, much better. So what I can say is uh, Horizon over the years has evolved to, we, we built out an interoperability protocol with this fancy cryptography, but it was basically technology chasing a problem and, and never really got uh, market fit. Where we're going now with this construct we're calling New Horizon, uh, and, and we're talking to some some VCs about, you know, is um, uh, basically, uh, Solving one of the, the big cost and skill, like, uh, scalability of cost problems in crypto, uh, which is uh, if you look at the different elements of what is a blockchain from the execution layer to the data availability layer to the settlement layer, uh, a lot of the aspects of blockchain are becoming modularized or essentially specialized. And now there's one element of crypto that has not yet become specialized which is at the settlement layer. And it just happens to be that over the last several years, we've built a fantastic team of technology that solves quite well with some modifications, uh, you know, the modular security or settlement layer for crypto. So, so that's where we're going. Uh, this is the first publicly that I'm mentioning this at all. We haven't even dropped this NIP, but uh, we're really excited about this project. Awesome. I think it would really help listeners to maybe explain uh, the difference between a monolithic blockchain and a modular blockchain and, and, and the debates that are happening there. Um, if you could just do that really basically, I, I think it would help some of the listeners. This is a huge ongoing debate, not only in crypto, but in other industries, right? Uh, and I think maybe if you could unpack that a little bit, I think it would be helpful for people to understand it better. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, it starts with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first blockchain. And, and we know it is uh, wh whatever your, your version of Bitcoin is, whether it's a you know, store value or payment system. There's different people with different ideas, but essentially it was the first blockchain that contained in its code base, you know, monolithically, all of the elements of a blockchain. Everything from how nodes communicate with each other to how nodes co you know, collect and organize transactions to how data is stored in the database on chain to how you know, we consider like, when is a transaction fi you know, final uh, or you know, like settled with finality. All of these aspects in a monolithic blockchain happen in the single, uh, single code base. Um, which was totally fine for the first blockchain, for the next blockchain, for the next one, like for the, for the early segment of the industry, this is how everything worked. And really the, the innovation was more around parameters, tweaking things, optimizations, layering in a virtual machine. But then as uh, you know, the industry started getting actual traction with actual use cases, and, and some of our use cases were organic native Web3 use cases like DeFi, NFTs, just we started getting actual load on these chains and load brought an escalation of costs and congestion and other aspects of the network that you would expect, um, you know, that were inhibiting it or, or just uh, escalating the costs drastically. And then we started getting solutions on there. So we basically started carving out different elements of this monolith of a blockchain core functionality, like the execution layer. So L2s came around on Ethereum, a layer two on Ethereum. Like, okay, let's carve out the execution layer and actually just kind of 
like mass bundle transactions together and just post you know proofs of them on the settlement layer on Ethereum proper itself. So we could do you know have massive scalability here and a massive cost reduction, which is fantastic. Then you had kind of like modularization from there of other aspects of the industry that start specializing. So there's another part of this blockchain monolith structure called data availability. So how is data posted? How is it available to people that want to verify that some action actually happens, some state actually transitioned properly at some point in the past? Then we started specializing that. And there are projects out there today, whether they're private projects like you know, data availability committees, you know, or if they're public blockchains themselves, like Celestia, that is a modular data availability layer that someone could actually use in a contract call. The next thing that we think is the next natural evolution of this is, okay, no one's yet touched the settlement layer. Why don't we actually have a super low cost optimized settlement layer here um, that it could become modularized and made available to the rest of Web3. Thank you, super helpful. So Rosario, you are the COO of this company. Can you explain uh, to the viewers what a COO does and what your day-to-day is? Yeah, so uh, I would say the the role of the COO, and I have read uh, plenty of books and I have one here. Uh, I think it's, it varies by, by organization, organizational needs. So um, kind of the, my secret sauce is I'm able to jump in uh, when I, I, I see gaps. And that's where I, I focus uh, a lot of my efforts in making sure that uh, if there are any problems within the organization, uh, that I'm filling those, those gaps. And with my background being in tech, I'm able to straddle. So, of course, you know, the typical functions of uh, business and um, finance, legal, uh, people functions, anything that has to do with uh, uh, operating a business uh, kind of falls under me. But then this other component of uh, I'm a good right uh, hand person because I'm, I'm able to jump in into into tech into project management and things uh, of those nature so making sure that if there are issues that are uh, related to other parts of of the uh, company that I'm able to jump in very quickly so so it's, it sounds like you're the person that's running toward the fire every day not away from it yeah yeah I would I would describe it or if uh, uh, I used to call, so Rob was, uh, I used to say Rob was the, the, uh, the, the vision, the, the idea, and then I'm, I'm the wings. I'm, I'm the one that kind of, uh, gets us there, but, uh, we're a great team in, uh, working in those, uh, different, uh, functions. Uh, I can tell that you guys enjoy working together. What's that like? I'll let Rob speak first. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say she built a wall in between our offices. So <laughs> that'll explain a little bit about what, what it's like. And I would say that it's really helped our marriage. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so Rob, what's it like to be a co-founder uh, of a startup? What, what's your day like? I, I mean, I had no idea what I was getting into. I, I could say that. Uh, so the, I guess the thing is being, you know, founder, co-founder, or, you know, some executive in, in a startup, um, you're, personal and professional lives just bleed together. It, it's one thing. It's just whatever needs to be done to get the job done. And then you have to figure out how to carve out just chunks for yourself and your family throughout the process. Yeah. What Rosario hasn't mentioned is we have a five-year-old daughter who's super oh, cute. Wow. She's amazing. She's an incredible human being. Uh, and, you know, like 
where does that fit into this thing? Well, it's, it's in the very center of it, right? So like we've yeah. got a startup that's our baby, but we have an actual baby. And, yeah. uh, you know, life, life's, life's complex. There's a lot of shades of gray, but it's the kind of thing where like you just dive in, it, it's all consuming. Yeah. And, you know, working in crypto is fun. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, so, so guys, what advice would you have for a transitioning veteran right now? Yeah, I, I would say um, it, it's natural to have fears and it's fear of the unknown. And I spoke about, in my case, it was, uh, felt like Mother Air Force always telling me when I have a doctor's appointment or when I have to uh, move to a different location. And it's there's a sense of security of with someone handling that part. But uh, my advice is just to lean, lean in, jump and just don't uh, don't let the the fears get into the in, into the way. So uh, there's often there's that graphic of like where's the path to success, and then the squiggly lines. Uh, it's funny where where life takes uh, takes you. And ten years ago, if I if you would have told me Rosario, you're going to be a CEO in a startup, I would have laughed because I was the very traditional person. Uh, didn't think startup life was for me, but now I, I love it. So just uh, lean in, don't be afraid and uh, utilize every uh, single benefit that you have and every single resource to uh, come into and talk to other veterans that are in the space that you're interested in. Yeah. And Rob, your I was gonna joke, uh, Rosario used to, like her investment portfolio used to consist of treasury bonds. Uh, all treasury bonds. True, true story. <laughs> so, yeah. By the way, that, that itself has issues, but it kind of shows now she's in crypto of all places and she's like really aggressive in, in crypto. Um, but yeah, so what, what I would say, uh, my advice is be confident because the, the military has probably given you such a leg up and such a competitive advantage relative to the civilian sector. You probably don't even realize it. Um, so take advantage of that. Take advantage of your resources. And then also, you don't have to think in terms of finality. Like I, I, I made a passing comment previously, but like, I, I'm serious. Like if I had some big liquidity event and had the next choice in my life, what would I do? I might actually rejoin the military if they would take this old guy. Um, right. So I, I mean, that there's just a show goes to show that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. You can actually exit active duty and join the reserves, right? You can join the national guard. Uh, you, there are many different options out there. So, uh, really just take advantage of the resources and be confident. A big picture question. What do you think about the crypto space? Where are we today? What excites you? What concerns you? Uh, sorry, you want to take a stab first? It's, uh, I'd say the uh, what's exciting about the crypto space today is that uh, kind of been able to see trends. It seems like it's maturing uh, a bit. And uh, to me, it's exciting to see, despite the previous market conditions, still a lot of uh, interest from uh, from professionals that are not DGENs trying to come into the space. So I, I, I see that as a sign of maturity for the space. There's also a lot of activity in uh, uh, Hill with uh, both good and bad with, with crypto. But I think being part of that conversation was important. Earlier this year at uh, with the uh, Blockchain Association in DC, trying to be part of that narrative uh, to inform um, our policymakers and, and give them a look of, okay, these are the types of people entering crypto. It's not only the, the people that are looking to, to make a quick buck. There are people uh, like us who are trying to 
change the world and, and contribute to the broader um, broader uh, national defense, if, uh, if you will, to um, uh, th that we're here. So we're here. We're we're not. Uh, we're here to make change. Yeah, you're continuing to serve. Um, so thank you for for doing that. Uh, and Rob, your thoughts? Um, I think crypto is a lot more interesting today than it was 10 years ago. Uh, back then, it was literally just Bitcoin and the most interesting discussions we had, which were pretty fierce, were do we build, you know, extend the block size <laughs> you know, for, from like one megabyte to two megabytes to 10 megabytes? I mean, it, it, it really was uh, in hindsight, like looking back, it's kind of crazy um, how you know, uh, narrow the, the industry was back then. Now the technology is pretty amazing. Um, use cases are coming along, to, you know, to match a little bit of the rhetoric of banking the unbanked and doing things that could actually make the world better. We're not there yet, um, but I would say the technology, the sets of entrepreneurs that are here, like Rosario said, the interesting professionals that are choosing to make this their career is pretty amazing. I would say, um, you know, good and bad about it. Uh, the, the industry is getting a lot more attention from regulators, uh, which again, good and bad, because I think having regulatory clarity is the best thing we could possibly have as an industry. But unfortunately, I, I disagree with the approach that uh, some people within the regulatory space or you know the, some elected officials are tackling it. Not all of them. Some of them, I, I think, are very clear headed and, and have a, a very good perspective on the industry. But I think that it's uh, incumbent of, you know, upon us as practitioners in the industry to just voice up, you know, stand up and, and say, you know, what's going on? Like Rosario said, like we're we're not here just for a quick buck to scam people to commit crimes. Like this is actually groundbreaking technology that has many, many extensive use cases that will also be amazing for our country. Um, so I, that that's the way I look at it. It's just a mu much more interesting times in terms of technology and entrepreneurs' ideas. Uh, and then the the scary stuff is, I really hope the regulators don't get it wrong. I hope that you know they they kind of craft sensible regulation that actually enables the industry and enables entrepreneurship within the U.S. A really good answer. The one thing I'll note is that neither of you said you were most excited about the Bitcoin ETF. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, prices go up and down. It's kind of a <laughs> it may happen tomorrow. It may happen tomorrow. Okay, yeah. you're going through this inflection point with the company. Um, when you are ready to hire, are you hiring now, or when you hire in the future, where will you be focusing? Um, so, I mean, since I'm talking, I'll, I'll just say, uh, we do have, uh, we've been kind of a, you know, a group of nerds just kind of like doing nerdy things on the cryptography side for some time. Speak, so we, speak we, of yourself. I, I don't know exactly. <laughs> but, but so we, we have some really deep tech talent, which is fantastic. Uh, we'll probably extend that a little bit. Um, but I, I think what we're, we've been missing is, uh, more on the go to market, the business, the marketing sales, like the actual business functions yeah. to get this stuff out there and you know, scale into a market. That's probably what we'll be doing. Like if we, if we have to tilt, I mean, so we'll be hiring across all cylinders basically, but the way I would tilt it would be more on the business side. Yeah. So you don't have to be a, a Solidity programmer or a, a technologist or a cryptographer necessarily to help an awesome company like Horizon Labs grow. Um, I, I think a lot of times people don't realize that, um, you know, you need technical and non-technical people that are technical in their own right and their own discipline. So uh, awesome. When you when when you finally get around, or if you're hiring, how do you go about advertising those jobs? Do you and how can people connect with you? We go to our career page, so it's uh, horizonlabs.io/careers, and we typically advertise on LinkedIn, and um, you also use recruiting agencies and things like that. But you can also 
uh, reach out to to us, um, and we can give you the the link, uh, Chris, so you could post it in your uh, as part of the podcast, so so people can uh, reach out to us directly. That'd be great. And how can folks connect directly with you? Rosario at Horizon uh, Labs that IO. And I would also just say our, our we're, we kind of lurk in our comms uh, forums for the community. Uh, so always on Discord, Twitter, or social. Uh, definitely reach out that way. And I will say, just as a closing here, that's relevant to this podcast is we do have a strong preference for veterans. I think the experience in the background uh, speaks for itself in our minds. Uh, thank you. And any other last thoughts? Something witty to say, Rosario? Come on, Rosario. Okay. You know, so I didn't mention this, but you, you had a little deviation when you got out of the Air Force. You, you, you were doing a little Vegas thing uh, oh yeah the whole blackjack card counting thing you know like my, my introduction program was actually before i was smart enough to realize that people already did this on, on the and posted it on the internet i crafted net life programs to simulate blackjack and like different card counting strategies uh kind of a waste of time but uh, it, it was fun so so i think the takeaways are no longer allowed to to enter Las Vegas, is that the case? I would say, so Rosario has uh, made some changes in my life. So she threw away my my cigar hum, uh, humid, humidor. <laughs> when, when I got back from Afghanistan, she said, enough is enough. I used to smoke every night there around the campfire, you know, and uh, also gambling. It, no, it's just, uh, we're, we're in crypto, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's a gamble. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, awesome, awesome content. Good luck uh, with, with uh, the next step in the trajectory of Horizon Labs. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation. It's just so amazing to have prominent veterans like you in the space. And also thank you for the work that you're doing in DC. I think it's, uh, again, you continue to serve. I also wanted to again, thank our co-sponsor, uh, our sponsor, Luca. Uh, these guys are fantastic. Uh, they help us produce this every week. And for those of you who are interested in learning more about Vita, please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. And if you have ideas of folks that we should put on the podcast, please reach out to me on Twitter at PerkinsCR97. Thanks again, Rosario and Rob. Awesome session. Thanks, Thank Chris. You.